hello, hey, hello, 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 hey, hello, 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 hey, hello, hello, and welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Cultured and Candid. Sound effects coming soon. (laughs) Hilarious, bro. You're hilarious. I have my moments. Well, I am, if you don't know, the Viviana, for those that don't know, Viviana for a Hispanic phrase. And I am here joined with my best friend, Boogie, from the East Side, if you hear me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> east Side, for those who don't know, over East, for those who do. But I know it. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh. We are just two women from Chicago having conversations about blackness, the beauty of blackness, and the wealth in blackness. You feel me? Um, so join us in this journey. You know, we talk about everything. We have opinions, and they're unapologetic. They are not meant to disenfranchise or trample on people's way of life, thoughts, or what have you. We are just sharing our opinions to the world. If you agree, agree. If you don't, talk to us. Maybe we can have some healthy debate. But one thing for sure, two things for certain. I'm the candid and she's the culture. Don't come over here trying to debate with me. I said what I said in the words of the ultimate Miss Nene Leakes. All right. (laughs) Man, gotta love it, right? You got to love Real it. Real Housewives did something for the culture. I don't know no what they comment. did, but they did something. No, but they did no, something. No comment. <laughs> no comment. Mm-mm. No thanks. You know how I feel about okay. uh, about that type of TV. Nonetheless. Please. So we're going to do this with a little bit of tweet and a little bit of wine or vino for our Italian phrase. Right? Oh, you got your SU ready. Look at you being ready. That's crazy. <laughs> Listen, I stay ready, so I don't got to get ready. When I'm not ready, I wasn't supposed to be ready. Period. <laughs> well, excuse me. Nonetheless, I digress. Okay. Also, um, so you're going to hear this quite often, and I'm going to do it now. Hey, can we have a candid moment? Yeah, absolutely. Bet. So let me tell you about what happened to me last night. Now, you and I both know I am a part of the single group, one of one, right? Whatever. (laughs) Part of the single group. Single party of one. Party of one, right? So I'm like, yo, you know, I called over somebody to handle some late night trains to Georgia, okay? All right, midnight train to Georgia the best way I can say it without being nasty. (laughs) And you know how I hate a flaking ass motherfucker, right? So now this is you being apologetic for being a flaky ass motherfucker. And you flake! Wow. Wow. After you just sat here and told me that you wish I wasn't benching you at a pivotal point in the season. What? You benched yourself. You cut yourself from the team. Listen, 
anybody who can refer them refer to themselves as a player on a team was already playing games to begin with. Was he playing games or did he actually know what was happening? <laughs> Maybe. Even even if you understand the dynamic, like you're not the only one, you still playing games. If you feel like you're being benched in the season at a pivotal point in the season, sir, you already playing. You already playing games. And ain't nobody got a time for that. Like you either know what it is or you don't. My point is this. If you know it's a pivotal point in a season, I would think that you would be on your best game so that you are not cut from the team. Nonetheless, so it's so funny that all of this transpired because I'm asking him, like, so what makes it a pivotal point in a, in a season? Because, bitch, I've never in my life used a baseball reference, right? So <laughs> That's just a sports a reference. A sports reference in regards to my own sexual life. I've never. Right. So he says, well, it's summer. Every woman wants consistent dick for summer. But you're not consistent. That's the part. They ain't going to tell me your summer could be filled with day parties, mimosas and big baby dick. <laughs> wow. Aggressive. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was aggressive. I thought that was hilarious. I chuckled quite heartily. Mm-mm. So... You know, after that transpired, I was like, whatever. But, like, bro, no, I'm good. We can debt it. You've cut yourself from the team. So sorry to see you go. Because he goes in there and tell me, like, I'm the one one leading in the points. I'm putting up numbers. He was putting up numbers. But still, like, these (laughs) cannot. These cannot be the men that our parents told us were out here for us. Like, these can't. These can't be it. This cannot be. No. There's no way. <laughs> I, just, I refuse to believe. I just want God to put out a new batch of niggas. <laughs> like, I just, Girl. come on, God. Like, I know you do no wrong, but my boy, come on. Come on. Just give me another batch. Just let me find a new a new bucket. Something. Good fucking Jesus. Um, nonetheless, that actually rolls into our topic for today, <laughs> which is 30 Thresholds. The 30 threshold is something that uh, me and Boogie have discussed thoroughly. Uh, We've been friends for 22 years, going on 23 now. Mm. Um, Girl, I know, right? We've been friends for going on 23 years now. And we have always had a discussion about what it would mean to turn 30, right? Now that we're over the 30 hump, we can now dialogue about things that we knew were going to happen and things that we were unrealistic about. Right. Because I feel like um, when you turn well, before you turn 30, you have this unrealistic expectation of the type of life you're going to live, whether you have children, whether you'll be married and all this other stupid shit that society actually places on us as a normative timeline. And I can say with emphasis, (laughs) that timeline is bullshit. (laughs) that 30-year-old timeline is straight bullshit. And don't get me wrong, for some, it was spot on. But for the masses, it's bullshit. Yeah, straight I, like was that. Just, I was just going to say, like, I think that with the, I think that with the um, trajectory that our lives were going to go with the type of people that we are, um, the societal expectation of where we should have been at 30 was not practical for us 
because we've never been people to go with what society has, has planned or how we should have done things. We've, we've always created our own pathways to things. And I think that holding on to things that were shown to us all the time, like our little fairy tale versions of relationships, um, wanting to be married by a certain age, kids by a certain age, homeowners by a certain age. I think that for lack of a better term, we were doomed from the beginning because we were never going to follow the recipe to get that by the time we were in our 30s because we've always been able to like pivot and do whatever we wanted to do at the time if our goals changed. So now we're like, at that space where we're like, damn, did we do what we were supposed to do? It's so interesting that you, um, <laughs> it's so interesting how you tie that in because in reality, you're right. Me and you have never been like, like societal, like followers naturally. It's just not in our blood. It's not something that we do. And I don't know if that's because of where we're from or if that's just how we are as individuals. And not only did we just kind of like bond over being Libras, but over the natural discourse of life. <laughs> I think that's what it is. I think me and you saw a rebellious spirit in one another and was like, yeah, that's my person. <laughs> she gets it. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um... But even still, you're right. I, I've never, I, in my life, I've never thought about doing things on a timeline. Though I understood the timeline and, it, you know, I was trying, but... It never fit. It never felt right. I mean, I will say that I knew I was a nurturer early on, but um, I didn't think that I, like, I never thought about, like, having kids and being married until I got to college because a lot of, a lot of the people who I was around, the movers and shakers that I was around in college, both um, those women were, you know, they, they had, had that life plan they they had saw that in real time and you know um that was never a thought to me like let's get married and have kids mm -hmm. until i got to college i was like that that might be nice to have a partner to do life with and some little little churn <laughs> to run around like that might be cute and i think what happened is that i hyper fixated on that and now i'm in a place where i'm like damn should i have done this mm. earlier you know, I mean, because I think about it and the older we get as women, you know, the less likely it is to have children because we have a finite set of eggs and God forbid you have um, any medical issues or any reproductive trials that you have just in growing in age that you didn't have when you were 18 to 20, whatever, you know, um, so as I get up in age, I'm like very conscious of that. Like, damn, should I be freezing my eggs now? Um, should I be going to a fertility specialist to, to think about like what my future is in that space? And I'm always conscious of that when I go to like gynecologist appointments. I'm always like, hey, does it look good in there? Like, are we good? <laughs> you know, um, because I would like to. <laughs> Not. How's everything looking in there, ma'am? But seriously. How's everything? Seriously. And then with this <laughs> rampant, like, it's like an uptick in black women who have PCOS, right? 
And so I'm like, damn, is that something I need to be tested for? Do I have cysts on my ovaries? <laughs> like, what's up? That's crazy. I have spent the majority of my life avoiding pregnancy. <laughs> yes. Like, that is so you true. You and I both know my mother had me at 15. So I've spent my life avoiding the pregnancy. As soon as we got out of high school, I was at the gurney like, yo, I need BC immediately. Okay. Because I don't know what kind of person I'm going to be when I get to college. You know, I went to college in New Orleans with my family from. I don't know if I was going to be a hoe. I, I didn't know what kind of woman I was going to turn into because you know how college does you. It's um, a space for you to be able to reinvent yourself. Right. And we all do it to some degree. So I, I didn't know what was going to happen. So I wasn't even thinking long term like, oh, this birth control could be detrimental to my fertility later on um, or any of those things. It just never dawned on me. Like, you know, eventually you're going to want to have to have kids, huh? Because it was never a part of the plan. My plan, if you remember, because we set this plan at 10, my plan <laughs> was to go to college, go to law school be a corporate lawyer, switch over to constitutional law, become a Supreme Court judge. That was the goals, right? And then I hit 25. Life. Right. I hit 25 and I'm like, oh, I don't want to go back to school. Oh, lawyer, bitch, that's about to take up all my time. When am I going to have time for me? And I was never that selfish of a thinker when it came to my future because I understood if I wanted the paycheck, I had to have the degrees behind my name. And now here it is. Fast forward. We're 32 years old. And I'm like, half the millionaires in the world don't even have a fucking high school diploma, let alone a degree. And it, and it just like really, I think all of the things that I expected prior to 30 never evolved with the world that I was living in. And I think that's something that most younger generations don't understand. Yes, it makes sense now, but your world is going to change. It's going to evolve. And if you don't change or evolve with it, you'll be left behind. Prime example. I will say, uh -huh. I will just want to go back to that point of avoiding pregnancy, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> we spend, we were so like, it was so ingrained in us to not have kids early, like taught to avoid it by any means necessary, avoid one, not even just having kids, but having sex, right? That abstinence early shit, age. Right? But then when I got to college, like it was my mom's biggest fear for me to get pregnant in college and not finish. Right. Because my dad was 19 when my mom got pregnant and then my mom was 22. So, oh, she was cool. She's in like, college? uh, I mean, could you really call it a cool? I mean, you know, that, that <laughs> like, nigga ain't even old enough. They three, to they three years yeah. apart. That ain't even, that ain't even a cool for, for real. real. He not, oh, he not legal, legal. Like, listen, he was old enough to go to army and go to war. He old enough. Okay. But anywho, you know what I'm saying? Like that was. I mean, I guess for both of my parents, their biggest fear was for me to get pregnant in college and not finish, right? Um, or finish way later, right? So 
um, I made it a point not to get pregnant in college. I'm like, but at this point, like, Shorty got multiple degrees and no babies, no baby, no baby. But so it's like I don't know when you should start focusing on that. And the closer, um, the more we traverse or journey through these thirties, right? It's like okay, so when is the appropriate time to have children? And then, like, my mom starts making it a point, like, oh, well, you know, I have friends who had kids at 50. Look at the Janet Jacksons and the Mariah Careys. And I was like, you know, that's cute. But I don't think I want to be running around no baby at 50. You know what I mean? Also, like, think about the, the type how? of care those women t- require through those pregnancies. Like, those are high-risk geriatric pregnancies that could kill you. Like, come on. We, you... I mean, pregnancy in general can kill you, no matter what age you are. But also, just you start talking about like Jenny Jackson and, and Jennifer Lopez and all these other people. These women have a, a, an amount of money that allows them to be able to get round-the-clock care for that pregnancy, to be you know placed with the best doctors, the best facilities. You know, we don't ever... Look, once 36 hit and I ain't got no kids, it's, I'm an auntie for the rest of my life. Fuck out of here. So, I mean, my mom made a really good point. Like, one of her really good friends, um, she started off with adoption. And her, when she got approved, you know, to adopt the child, and then she was going through that process, and the child was finally placed with her, um, she ended up being pregnant. Mm. So, like, both of her boys, her boys are, like, Irish twins, right? Because they're, um, they're, I think they're less than 10 months apart. Or 13, yeah, they're less than a year apart, pretty much, um, because she got an infant. And so um, seeing that, she's like, you know, this is a person who's in real time, like, regular, regular person who doesn't have the, like, celebrity behind it, who was still able to, you know, have the American dream, right? Kids, white picket fence, house husband. And I was like, yeah, that's cool, but... I don't want that for my life. You know what I'm saying? I want to be able to be married, have kids um, in enough time for me and my husband to watch our kids leave the house and still want to enjoy each other. I don't want to be 60, pushing 70, and now our kids leaving the house. I don't know about that, you know? Because you still want to be around for the other things that they have coming in their life, like their marriages and their kids, right? And if I have kids at 50, they turn 18 at 68, right? And then they're having children probably later on in life, like their early 30s, late 20s, right? You damn near did. <laughs> you know, like, I, I wouldn't want to put that on a child yeah. to... Take care See of that at and, such an early age, yeah. you know, or just take care of you um, and having to take care of their children. Because at that point, like once you get to a too. certain age, you know, your kids are taking care of you. And um, I totally get that. I wouldn't want that for my life either. That's why I said 36. If I don't have them, then I'm not meant to have. Them. Um, and I'm just keeping it. I'm putting it on. I'm putting it on it, Erica. Like, I can't imagine being 38, 39, 40 like my great aunt. Having a fucking kid, like there, I just it doesn't equate for me. But nonetheless, I understand you're gonna write it out, girl. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
I understand your sentiment. You know what I'm saying? Just wanting to be able to still enjoy your marriage afterwards. Like once I hit like 27, my parents are like, okay, where are the grandkids? I'm like, I'm 27, my boy. I ain't even in a relationship. Can I, can I get there first? Can I find a person that I find to be, you know, suitable for any form of, of relations in that manner? Like, give me a break. And now that I'm 32, the conversation hasn't changed. It is, I don't think we're ever going to get any grandkids. She's just too selfish. She's the, she's unyielding. She's unbending. And I'm just like, wow. <laughs> These like, do you want the fucking grandkids or not? Because it sounds like you just want me to shut off the fucking factory. Out of spite. <laughs> you know, I, that's, th- that's one thing that I'm appreciative of both of my parents for because they've never been the ones to be like, all right now, where are these grandkids? My mom has always been like, you know, you have time. You don't have to rush anything. My dad don't even talk about it. <laughs> he don't even talk about it. He's just like, all right. If it happened, it happened, you know, um, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that because it it doesn't put as much pressure as I'm already putting on myself Mm -hmm. because I'm like, I know I want this. Um, But I will say if I am not, if I don't have my own children, um, I do want to adopt. I do want to adopt. Even if I do have my own children, I still want to adopt. Um, Because I have so much love to give and I feel like. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like, you know, um, children should not be in a system that does not care for them. I agree. Like, I wish I could have a foster home so I could give all the love to the children. You know what I mean? Like, dot, dot, dot. We just talked about it. these nonprofits. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Yeah. But I want see the the difference between having my own foster home and the nonprofit piece, though, is that I want to be hands-on with it. I don't want to. I don't want to have to hire people to take care of these children. I want to take care of these children because I took on that responsibility, and I don't want to replace a parent. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here to give you love and show you how to traverse this world because, unfortunately, <laughs> your parents weren't able to for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, be very transparent with that, like. I'm here to love on you, baby. You know, come Not get I'm it. here to love on you. What's up? What you need? <laughs> What's up? I mean, I get it, and I don't. I don't think my we'll parents see. are really pushing the kid thing, but it is a conversation that we've had on several accounts. And by me being an only child, it's even more so. Like your father has multiple children. You know what I'm saying? If your mother has you, have you and your sister. You know what I'm saying? Like there's always, even if it's not you. A grandchild can still, you know, a family can still be made outside of, right? It's Mm -hmm. just me. My mother's an only child. My father is the baby of, like, maybe three brothers. Like, he doesn't have anything else. There's nothing else beyond me. My father doesn't have a son to carry on his name and so on and so forth. So since he doesn't have these things and my mother doesn't have these things, it's just like all of that falls on me. And I just don't like that shit. I just... I love the babies. I do. And I probably wouldn't mind adopting children, but I just can't honestly, whatever. That's another thing that always scared me about turning 30. Like the whole pregnancy thing naturally scares me. And then like after 30, you're expected to be a mom of some sort. And it's just like, "Mm, 
nah, I'm good. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't. <laughs> but on that, let's skip the baby talk because the shit is just depressing me. Please put the wow. ladies up at the end. Wow. Put the ladies up Philadelphia. No. Did you also know that Lil' Kim been getting all them nose jobs because she was with a, an abusive man that kept breaking her fucking nose? She not looking wow. like that on purpose. The media ain't shit, boy. <laughs> I mean, but also like you uh you remember uh she talked about how she started doing skin lightening treatments because the industry just kept telling her she wasn't pretty enough in her brown skin. Now that's something that. I wish I had. I can't imagine that. That's something I wish I had a time machine for because baby was gorgeous. Embodied, I or don't embodied. I don't believe that. I, I mean, like this bitch has been dripping sex appeal since we were kids. We're, we're not even talking about just her, like Foxy Brown. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, come on, give me a fucking break. But listen, that don't mean that Foxy Brown ain't have the same, the same interactions with the industry. You know what I'm saying? Because you got to remember, these are women like Foxy Brown and. Lil' Kim at the time before all and of Missy the changes. Elliott, all that other shit. Um, they were always told that they needed to do something or or another. It was up to you as an artist to be able to push back on that shit. Because people, I mean, the industry used to tell Missy that she was too big to be a solo artist. Because you remember she started off as, in a group. Wild hundreds, you hear me? That shit is wild hundreds. And you know what? I am so happy that that's never been an issue with how me and you interacted. Mainly because, like, I remember being a kid, and I remember, you know, how some people used to try to, you know, come for the darker girls and all that other shit. But that shit, I never saw it like that. Like, it was, you my nigga, like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, what do you mean you don't feel this or you don't feel that? Bitch, tri you tripping. You my nigga. And I've been like that with everyone that I've ever known. And it's always so interesting to see the insecurities based on the trauma. You know, I will say this. I didn't develop insecurities until college. Where? Because, yeah. That's I, mean, I, got I didn't most develop confident. insecurities. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't develop insecurities until college because, you know, growing up in grammar school, high school, I had a nasty mouth. So I was willing to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with everybody, and I thought I was the shit. You couldn't tell me nothing. Didn't care. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, if you don't like me, that sounds like your fault. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, whatever. Um, but I got to college, and I felt like I was alone. Like, I didn't have a support system, really. That's because um, you went to a PWI. When I, got to, when I got to Michigan, and I didn't want to go there. Let's, let's, let's clarify that. I didn't even want to go there. Mm. My my school of choice really was where I got a full ride to go. It was a school in Arkansas. And um, I got a full ride to go there, but my mom oh, didn't want me blood? to go to Arkansas because I, I um, my mom didn't want me to go there because I didn't have any family there. So then I was like, well, if I can't go there, I want to go to FAM. Because like my um, one of my biggest influences at church, he was like my big brother, he was at FAM. And I was like, if it's good enough for him, I'm trying to be there, you know? Um, so I wanted to go to fam, and then my mom was like, uh, but no, because uh, 
she was like, you got family in Michigan. It's easier, blah, blah, blah. You're not far from home. And I w- didn't want to go there. Really? And um, so I went. And um, I think the freedom that I had when I went there, because, you know, I was I was very sheltered to a degree and then very structured. Like, I had a very structured program. I had stuff to do mm-hmm. after school. Like, I wasn't the one, like, just hanging out just to hang out. You know, um, and so, yeah, I got to, I got to Michigan, um, to Michigan, and then, um, <laughs> thought I needed to put myself on a crazy schedule. I did that. That was crazy. But also, like, it wasn't enough black people there for me, and I only knew, like, two people going up there, and we didn't even live in the same area. And I did a lot of stuff I probably had no business doing, to be very honest. Um, and I lost myself in the freedom of being at that space. And so I developed a lot of, you know, insecurities about myself because that was the first time I had not excelled academically. It was the first time I didn't see myself as desirable because I wasn't... Um, I guess because we wasn't getting on, like, what well, nobody hitting you up. You were, you weren't not, getting not, no not, attention. Not even, not even just that. No. <laughs> and it wasn't even the attention because the attention I had, it was more of the, like, and not even, it wasn't necessarily validation. But you know how you hear it all the time? And you just be like, mm, whether it's negative or positive, oh, you think you the shit. And do. And then that was the first time I encountered racism. Oh, um, okay. Like in the face, because you know, Chicago got white people and we around, mm-hmm. you know, white people all the time. But yeah, but the racism <laughs> is psychological. Um, not even just that, not even just psychological, but like I've never engaged with white people in a negative light before. Because, uh-huh. you know, the, the white people we went to school with and then even our teachers were funny as hell. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they weren't like malicious white folks. And this right. was my first time meeting malicious white folks. And I was like, yo, this, this shit weird. I don't feel safe in the space. And then even with the black people, I ain't feel safe with either because they judgy as fuck. And it's like, all right, I can't be me here. So I have to morph into something that looks acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, just to engage with people. Because, you know, I'm a community person. Yeah, but no. Um, that shit was weird. And then I got a culture shock when I transitioned to Florida, when I transferred to, to Florida, um, complete culture shock. Cause I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to be me in the space. So I had to rediscover who I even was, what I liked at that time, how it's changed from, you know, high school to now. Um, not to mention all the family shit I was going through at the time. Like I had a lot of shit just going on. And um, I found myself in Florida, I will say that. And that's a space where I started to regain confidence um, and start to, you know, really find who I was again. But, yeah, long-ass tangent, I know. It's the longest, but it's okay because I'm going to circle that bitch right on back. So, um, first, I am going to address everything that you just said, obviously. (laughs) What kind of best friend would I be if I didn't? 
Um, one thing for sure, two things for certain. I did not know you were going through that because by the time we graduated high school and went off to college, we had went our separate ways. So one, I am so sorry that I was not there for you during that time. And that's that straight like that. Um, I can't, I also I almost want to cry. Like, oh my God. Um, like I can't even imagine you going through that. I mean, mainly because I knew. It was only so many colleges that I wanted to go. I knew I wanted to get out the snow. That was it. I'm going south. I knew that. Right. And my parents did not want me to go to Dillard at all. They did not want me in New Orleans. They just felt like that wasn't the place for me and all this other stuff. But there was nothing that my parents could say to adjust my thoughts on it because I knew that I needed to be taught by profound black people. I was in search of my blackness beyond this city shit. Like, if this makes any sense, I always knew I was a black woman, but I never felt like a black woman. Mm. I was going through a black discovery and there was nothing that my parents could do, say, or anything to deter that. And the only reason why was because one, y'all not paying for this. Let's keep it a buck. Right? And two, I did what the fuck y'all asked me to do, which was graduate high school. Nobody asked me to go to, uh, to college. Nobody said anything about college. They were happy that I just wanted to go on my own. Mm. Right? So at the end of the day, the choice is mine. And going through that black discovery was everything and everything that I needed. And when I ended up having to switch to go to DePaul because I thought Dilly was going to use the, lose their accreditation. Uh, <laughs> you know, black school shit, right? Um, I thought they were going to lose their accreditation, so I went back home and ended up at DePaul. And I immediately understood why I had went on the journey that I was going on. Right? Even with, e even with trying to, that first semester of my freshman year, Bitch, my GPA was a 1.8. At DePaul? Exact. No, 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 no. At Dillard. My very first semester of college, my GPA was a 1.8. And you talk about a bitch that ain't never failed academically. You said, one, 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 what, what? So I understand being in the space that you don't know how to navigate. And I understand what it means to actually trying to form a uh, formulate the person that you're supposed to be or that you feel like you should be in those spaces. So with that, you are never alone. But what I love, and here's the circle back, but what I love about the 30 threshold is that you have now came through all of these trials and tribulations of your personality, of the person that you, the growth that you're supposed to have, most of us anyway, right? And you get to a point and you you just it's like you get to this door and you be like, you know what? Fuck it. I love turning 30 because 30 gave me the correct amount of fuck it. I've always had fuck it in my system naturally. But 30 hit me with that fuck it bucket. OK, that bitch was like, nah, sis, you go a couple more. You got some more. Let me, let me get you this bucket. I'm going to give you some more. That fucking bucket was aggressive. And what it did was it allowed me to set boundaries that I didn't even know I needed to set. Mm. 
that's and it, you know you, you go through all of these these thought processes about being 30 and what it means and what your expectations are and all this other shit but nobody ever really talks about the self-awareness that comes with it. don't get me wrong the, the light bulb don't come on for everybody you feel me sometimes a little switch a little fault but the fact of the matter is it comes with a form of self-awareness that allows you to be so comfortable in your fucking skin. If I was ever going to be thankful for anything, it's that. And then once the 30 plus start coming in, I'm like, oh, child, I don't know what they're going to do with me by 35. Because I swear, y'all niggas that can't do nothing with me. Nah. Understandable. Definitely get that. Prime example. Um, no, prime example. Prime example. I know that I would like to be married. A nigga told me the other day I wasn't ready to be married. And I, I really I really took it in. I took it in. And I thought about it. He was fucking right. I'm not ready. I'm too selfish. And I, I enjoy my company more than I enjoy the company of, of others. And that requires... Well, okay, come on with your little point. I see your little finger. I mean... I would say, I, I would challenge you to think that mm. you are ready for marriage. You're just not married for, you're not ready for marriage to him. You see what I'm saying? Because there are, there are men who will take you as you are. And you've seen that because of the amount of men who have already professed <laughs> that they would like to continue to that type of space with you so there are men who will take you as you are and find you enough in marriage material for them the question is do you think the person you are now is the type of wife you want to be now if it's not then yeah you're not ready by your own standard but don't let no man define what marriage readiness looks like for you it's about what it looks like for you and the type of wife you would like to be to a man and if that aligns with a man who's out there for you, period. Okay, period. Um, I need you to know that the person that said this, you and I both know. Mm -mm. Uh <laughs> and there you go. His fucking opinion don't even matter. Both, it, but no, when he said it, I thought about it. I am not necessarily the, the type of woman that I would consider a wife right now because of the selfishness that I hold. I just, I need to focus on me. And I think that's okay to say. And I think once you do hit 30, you are able to make those statements and set those boundaries. I, it's not, I, I need me. It's me time. Like, I'm, you know, I'm out here dating and shit. And the more I listen to niggas talk, I'd be like, nah, I'm thinking it's them. But in reality, it's, it's, I'm not, I'm not for them. That's just what it is. The person I am now is not for the person they are now or the things that they are looking for. Exactly. Right. But even the men that I find to be of good character, you know what I'm saying? Attractive, uh, intellectual. Those, you know, the men that I, I am attracted to, right? The professional men, of course. Um, even within all of this stability, they are still not the men that I would want to live my life. I just because can't see it. I, I will say this. Stability does not equate to compatibility, though. You know what I mean? Um, so just because that man is stable does not make him compatible. It just makes him an option. Mm. 
Come on, girl. All, all options yeah. are not compatible. You know what I mean? Come on, girl. You met a base tier of, of requirements that I need to date a man, but that don't mean you marriage material for me and it don't make me marriage material for you. It just means that we can now progress to this next stage. Mm-hmm. It's very Tangent. fucking formulaic sometimes. It is very formulaic and it's disgusting. But tangent, I go out on a date with this guy. He's a pilot, right? Pilot, ex-Marine, like definitely my type as far as like his on paper, right? Physically, not necessarily my type. He was a little more slender than I would prefer. You know what I'm saying? But still an attractive man. He had some really cute, sweet qualities about him. Very soft-spoken type of man. You and I both know soft-spoken men don't work in my world. It just don't. And I felt so bad sitting across the table, literally asking him, like, just let me know if I'm too loud. Let me know if I'm too much. And you know I am never like that. But I felt as though, like, his he gave a fragility that, what I, that I just felt the need to cater to. And that was a problem. I immediately, on the first date, was like, nah. So when I'm telling him, like, you know, let me know if I'm too loud, yada, yada, yada. He's like, oh, no, you're fine. My mother is very, very colorful woman it's fine i'm used to it you know and i was like ah okay cool but i still felt uncomfortable and that's how i knew that wasn't going to work between me and him but it was a point of that i felt he was frail friend frail fragility i'm sitting here like if if i loud too if i laugh too loud this motherfucker gonna burst into tears (laughs) ma'am what i will um, i'm gonna ask you this because um, we right. got to work this thing out in best friend therapy. Best so, friend therapy. Best friend therapy. Okay, I'm done. Okay, all right. Thank you for the intro. Um, You're welcome. So, do you think that your opinion is, his, is the reality, though? Because you believe that he's fragile knowing that this man is an ex-Marine. He's a pilot. Um, And you think that your boisterousness and your persona is too big and it would break an ex-Marine? And you attributed your perception of fragility to calm, my guy? What's going on here? Talk to me. Let's work this out. Let's let's, let's talk this thing through. Okay, I don't wait, 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 wait. It goes back to something that you said to me not too long ago. <laughs> I forgot what it was, honestly, but let me get my mind right. Cause... <laughs> okay, so I understand that my opinion of him is definitely not something to coincide with reality if it does not add up on paper. I get that, right? But you didn't see this nigga. Like, he was just sitting there. Like, his whole demeanor. <laughs> okay, yeah, I don't know. Wait a minute. Was he Was in the Marine? Navy? I don't know. He was in the Armed Forces. I understand, okay, that I may be making up something in my mind, but it's just You know, sometimes it's just hard to get past your own thought process. And honestly, I thought about, you know what really, really caught me, though? 
I thought about what it would look like, what it would look like if I had to be surrounded by his friends and colleagues. Don't get me wrong. He was raised in the islands and stuff like that. But the way he expresses his upbringing lets me know, like, mm, I just I really just don't feel like we a fit. Our personalities don't fit. Ma'am, wait. Did you just say he was born and raised in the islands? Girl, what? Girl, what? He around loud people all the time. He just know how to keep his cool. He say, all right, you got, yeah. Okay, I'm about to eat this steak though. You did not never just say he was born in the islands. And then what you mean his colleagues? His colleagues are ex-military and pilots. Pilots, especially commercial, deal with some of the most boisterous motherfucking people ever. You ever seen in videos of unhappy customers? Especially in the middle of the flight. Got a whole attitude. Man, stop it. Stop it, you tried it. You tried it. I can't give you a pass on this one, video. I feel you. You felt like he was fragile, so you, you, you let him move. But you can't say that that man was just fragile. <laughs> like that's what his reality was. You felt like he was not compatible for you because he, he felt like a meek person. But fragility, bro. <laughs> just fragile? You talk about a man who may or may not have gone to war and you call that man fragile. We sorry. I just feel like this man is fragile. Okay. <laughs> Nonetheless, I get what you're saying. I'm not negating the fact that I am incorrect. No worries. I am not negating it. Look, book. If the way it, the way it really works, I can't see this man in my world. He doesn't fit. I don't fit in his world. Based on like, like based on how he explained the shit to me, like he was raised in uh, Saint Croix, right? And he's like, yeah, my, you know, my dad's a teacher. And I don't know what his mom does. I don't remember talking about it, you know. And he was a very, very sweet man. This man had a whole sports coat on, book. A whole sports coat. I mean, I felt underdressed. And you know, I'm never underdressed. Ma'am. Yes. <laughs> Ma'am. Yes. Um, <laughs> could he just have taken the date seriously? Or maybe his sense of fashion is just different. You know? Um, it sounds like a gentleman to me. I don't I don't know. Boogie, I love the fact that this man had on a sports coat. Believe you me. I love that he was dressed the way he was dressed. I was upset with myself for dressing in the man. It was Sunday afternoon. It was Mother's Day. <laughs> I had on a cute little dress. I didn't want to be like too... Girl, the whole day, I just realized, like, I altered so much, and I realized that wasn't healthy. Either way, we're getting off on a tangent. <laughs> you know, I was trying to figure out where you were going. I don't remember. This. It was very long. I don't remember. <laughs> okay, no worries. So, back to 30 threshold, guys. Um... <laughs> Actually, I'm going to let you know that this definitely feeds into this because we're talking about what romance requirements. Stop playing with me, sis. And I feel like once once you hit 30, 
you have a different requirement for the type of man that you date than in, in your 20s. Like in my 20s, he was he was a definitely like, oh, I'm marrying him because I had a different mindset in my 20s. At 30, it's just like, I'm going to be who I'm going to be. And I don't think me and this nigga going to mesh. Also, I agree with you. So is that a romance requirement to? I'm just saying. What? It's, it's just about the romance. Romance requirement. Number five for the role for the romance requirement at the very least at the very least do things just because that is a romance requirement like fill up my tank you know send me lunch money um i'm a flowers girl send me tulips because you miss me you know what i mean Cute little text message in the morning, like, I miss you. Romance requirement for a book, at the very least, is do things just because you like me, not mm. because I've done something for you. Mm. Mm. I well, said the least of these um, things, ma'am. The least of these <laughs> things. I mean, I guess, like, the lunch shit, cool, but, like, when it comes to BB, it, it hit different, okay? I got to know that the dick is good if you not if you not um if I'm not getting it like maybe three, four times a week, like do you really like me? Um, I I I work on a different work like I don't work on romance because I've been single for so long. I work on what works for me and my single life. So if I'm not, if I say I like you or you say you like me or whatever, and I'm not getting that joint on a on a consistent basis, do you really? Um, yeah. Uh, like, don't get me wrong. The lunch mm-hmm. shit, cool. Like, yeah. Like, it, how do I know you like me if you don't text me good night so I know I have good slumber? Like, come on. I don't care about the morning text. The morning text don't bother. If you ain't checked on me at all that day, right. I'm going to be like, side eye. You Ooh. don't like me. You know what really rubs me the wrong way is when I text a motherfucker good morning before they text me and they text me like two o'clock. Like, hey, good afternoon. Bitch, I text you at 830. You ain't even made it to work yet. Stop playing with me. You know, (laughs) Uh, I'm just saying like I I give like a two hour, two and a half hour like time limit on my text messages. And I know that sounds petty, but the fact of the matter is like people literally sit with their phones in their hands all fucking day. Like, stop playing with me. After two hours, you're not telling me that you ain't checked your fucking messages. You're crazy. Unless you do like a job that's like, hey, put your phone like on do not disturb or, you know, take whatever. I know some niggas like you got specific jobs. You can't even take your phone inside. Like I used to work with a nigga that was a corrections officer. He couldn't take his phone inside the job, the jail. That was fine. I ain't mad. Oh, I miss Panda. Okay, so. um. <laughs> I will say that even with a regular nine to five, though, sometimes you just got a busy fucking week or a busy day and your day might start earlier than you expected to. Like, I know for me, sometimes I got to get to the office early and start at eight o'clock instead of nine or eight thirty. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes you just got shit to do. And there's times where I don't look at my phone till after lunch because Maybe I got shit to do. I got meetings back to back to back to back. Boogie. I don't know. You full of shit. Because I've li- I've uh-uh. li- I put you on a timer too, bitch. 
You full of shit. You, I, it never takes you more than two hours to text me back. Ma'am, you also text me at, on different days at different times of the day. <laughs> my schedule ain't the same every day. It don't matter. My you point happen, is, it don't matter you happen time. to catch me at a time where it is what it is. Because sometimes you'll go all day without talking to me. And we don't talk until I get off work. You feel me? And that's just what it is. For the people at home, my timing is fucking impeccable. It doesn't matter who you are. I'm going to always text you when I know you're available. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Like The point is, I don't have to wait. I'm not waiting for you to text me back. I like this new guy. I got a new guy I'm liking on, right? He, this, I text this nigga on Wednesday. He just texted me back yesterday talking about Happy Friday. Bitch, block. I like mm. you. You fine. And I thought I wanted to fuck. But you fucked up. Bang, bang. And that is what it is. If that's, that's your boundary. That is a boundary. And, it. and I feel like that's a boundary that every woman should place. Communication is key, especially when you're not necessary. Like, you know, I like my, my niggas long distance. So, like, communication is key when you're talking about a motherfucker that live a state away, two states away. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't necessarily want to, like, FaceTime you all day or whatever. But just, like, you know, hit me back. Let me know you're having a good day. Cool. Or I might hit you. And, and it doesn't even have to be an elongated exchange. Like I know I used to date one guy, he used to tell me, like, I don't like to text, I don't like to talk every day. Which was fine with me, even though he lived a whole bunch of states away. He did not like talking every day. He's like, I have nothing to talk to you about every day. And I understood that. And I wasn't mad. And I let him live. So when you're ready to talk, you hit me up. And if I'm available, I'll hit you back. But if I if <laughs> if I initiate contact. And you know that's not my normal thing with you, or you know what I'm saying? Like, come on, give me a fucking break. Like, it how hard is it for a motherfucker to text you back in a timely fashion? I understand people got shit to do. I understand people got shit to do. Does this man have a brood? You ain't shit. And I don't think one can be considered a brood. Okay, so he's a breeder. Um, well, I would say since he's a breeder, it could be, you know, he got schedules with with the child or whatever that he got to attend to. And you never know. Shorty might be taking care of other family or responsible for other people. People got lives. And at that point, that ain't the, that ain't the nigga for me. I, you ain't got no time. Oh, okay. I ain't got time. Now that's real. Be um, real with what you, what you got time that's for. That's real. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Don't put forth an expectation that you cannot maintain we've talked about that several times and yeah. that's definitely like that should be like on the uh 30 plus uh motherfucking wall for any woman mm-hmm. when you talking about uh, rules and commandments do not come with an energy that you cannot sustain at all hello or expectations don't set expectations high if you know that it's not something you can keep up with because baby we start out with michelin star restaurants that better be the only thing we go to I don't want to see Applebee's. I don't want to see a tea. And I don't have a problem with going there. But if you are going to set the standard for this is what life would be like being attached to you. Yeah. Then baby, keep it up. Keep it up, playboy. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm good with like, like a, you know, a late night joint. We hitting the Mexican spot. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm good with that. We don't always have to go to Michigan. I'm saying keep it up. But at the end of the day, if you know it's date night, if you know it's date night, like, why are we even in a place that doesn't require me to put on some heels? That's my point. You know, 
I'm not saying that our random hangouts can't be regular places. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that if dating you is what this is supposed to be like, if the dating experience is this, our hangout experiences can be chill. Absolutely. But the dating experiences need to come with that same level of intensity, input, thought. Um, you know. <laughs> what? Yeah, I'm not fucking with that shit. Um, and it's so funny because niggas will start out taking you to all these nice-ass restaurants. And then y'all start dating. Now y'all together. Y'all fucking. Now you only see the inside of the car as he go pick up the order. Fuck out of here. Okay, no, no. No, thanks. I don't think I've had that issue. Mm. I've never had not that issue, but I've seen it start. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, not on my potato. <laughs> Even. Oh, you and your you and your potato is a difference. It's we talking about people that live in the same area. No, I'm I'm not saying okay. I'm, I'm no. I get I get what you're saying, but even when I go home for an extended period of time, like because we don't see each other often, two weeks is a long time, you know. Um, so even when I'm home for say a month because of you know Christmas break or whatever, it's not. <laughs> mm-mm. Like we hang out at little places when we just chilling, and then when he be like, "Bae, get dressed," I know to get dressed. I don't have to ask what what kind of atmosphere for. I know kills required every time, <laughs> you know. And that's just what it is. No, I don't know because every date I require heels to be required. <laughs> like, I'm single, baby. I'm out here dating. It re- all the dates require heels. But at this particular juncture with this man, I wasn't sure because it was like a Sunday date and it was Mother's Day. It was disgusting. Girl, we're not even talking about that damn date. What are you, high? I know. I'm just saying in general. (laughs) Anyway. We're talking about romance requirements. Number four. What's your number four? Number four. Yeah, because we went on a tangent. (laughs) Oh, shit. Anyway, number four. Okay, well, number four requirement. Um, I require that if you are actively dating me, right, that you spend an X amount of time with me. Now, this is the thing. I am not necessarily a person that requires quality time, but I am a person that requires time. Like, you have to put some form of effort into me. If I don't see the effort, I'm out. Straight like that. I don't, I hate niggas that, like, give the bare minimum. Like, that good morning shit, you can put those on automate. I'm good. I don't want that shit. Like, I want to see, like, hey, good morning, I was thinking about you. Hey, like, when I send my good morning texts, I get like, I got pictures and shit. Like I send, I want you to know, like, this is a personalized good morning. I need to see the effort. Okay. I, I hate, I, I require effort. All right now. I feel like every woman should require effort. And I feel like roses is not effort. I feel like, you know what I'm saying? Like you just like doing something nice to me. Like you said, like sending me lunch money and shit. That's not effort. You know what I'm saying? That's you, that's you doing shit to be nice. We need to think about you. You know what I'm saying? What I'm talking about is the shit that actually be- it becomes sentimental. The inside jokes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to see that you're interweaving 
within me and my personality and how we can cultivate our own little thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, but how soon are you trying to see that? Because those are things that, that take time to develop. I need to see at least the beginning of it, like within the first two months. Like not like it happening in the first two months, but by the time we get to the first two months, I should start to see a, a way how you could fit in my space. You know what I'm saying? So like two and a half months, two months, two and a half months, like at that point, I should be trying, I be, should be seeing this personalization. I should be seeing this, this curtailing of things towards me and you, so to speak. Okay. Yeah. And that's realistic because everything moves fast nowadays. That's realistic. And I'm not saying we got to be in love in two months. I'm not saying that shit. I, you know what I'm saying? But at the very least, you should care if I get hit by a car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, if like we get to two months, more than likely we fucking by now. It, <laughs> you should care if I get hit by a car. <laughs> Maybe not for you. I know you're a little, you know, a little prude sometimes, but for me. I don't know. Like I've, I've realized coming into 30, right? I've realized that yeah. Um. Not immediately having sex with folks does allows me to think clearer, because if the mm-hmm. if 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 it's good, I don't <laughs> I don't care to see the things that I should care to see. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, well, you know, it's not that bad. <laughs> you know, um, because you know, uh, when I'm not. When I'm not actively dating and, you know, multiple people or whatever, if I decide to focus on this one person and we have sex too early, it's, it's bad for me. So I know I need to be able to see clearly and see patterns and see um, things that I'm, I might not be too comfy with that needs to be addressed. Like, hey, I don't like that, you know? Um, now, if we just dating, if we just dating and the energy is there and the vibe is right and the time feels good to me, then I'm going to do what I'm going to do because there's no feeling attached to this. You know, my look, <laughs> Chucky just she wants what she wants. And so, um, you know, that space like that, just casually dating, that's the fun stuff. And but that's if I'm my life. <laughs> dating with intention, nah, bro. We're going to take our time with this. I think the one thing that um, for me in that regard, if I do, ha- if I do end up having sex with someone too soon, I am no longer interested in you as a mate. It is now pure sexual. I do not care how your day was. I don't care how you're feeling. Are you here to provide a service? It becomes extremely anatomical. It becomes extremely physical. Nothing beyond that. You hold no other value for me beyond that. And, and my brain has compartmentalized so well that I don't even care who you are beyond this. I don't want to know. I have no desire to know. And I tell guys this early on, like, oh, yo, 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 if you think, you know, I know I'm a vibe, yeah. you know, but you might want to wait. And as soon as they're like, nah, I don't want to wait, bet. You've you've sealed your fate. I've given you the blueprint and you've sealed your fate. That's perfectly fine with me. I wanted this to begin with. <laughs> like, 
because everything is is more physical for me now. It's just like that emotion shit. It just really cuts out. So once I do get now that I'm getting older, the emotion shit is starting to become a little bit more important. And it's just like, mm, I can't get out this rut. Beautiful. Romance requirement number three. Number three. Um, I will say that midway, like uh, number three would be for me, um, intimacy and not just sex. Like, mm. I think there's a level of desire that goes into that space. Like, I want to feel desired. Like, what's up? But that's that. That could be my drama. My drama. That could be my trauma. You know, um, mm-hmm. wanting to feel desired. And <laughs> not that I say that. I, not to say that I don't feel desired just in a regular, but like on a consistent basis in a relationship. I don't, not to say that I question it, but I don't want to have to. I don't ever want to get to the space where I'm like, damn, do you like me? Still? Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's crazy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I've ever been in a situation where I didn't feel desired. I think that for me, desire is carnal. So... And I, and I equate those things in, in one of the same. Like, I don't necessarily ascribe to intimacy. Um, just single life, it just doesn't, it's not something I'm trying to uh, adhere to, mainly because I feel like intimacy begets emotions. And if we're just fucking, I can't be intimate with you. We just fucking. Let's keep it cool. I had one nigga tell me that we was hanging out. No, nigga, we fucking. I don't know anything about your life. We ain't watching TV. We ain't grabbing pizza. Like, nigga, we fucking. And then you leave per request. But nonetheless, (laughs) I'm noticing the older I get, the more I am starting to do that retrospection. And I realized that there were men willing to give me intimacy within this whole thing, right? And I declined it. I was literally robbing myself of intimacy. Because I didn't want to attach emotion to it. Because I feel like emotions make you irrational. I know I don't want to be with this person. I know this person doesn't want to be with me. There is no need for me to attach emotion. So that means no intimacy, right? This is my my line of thinking. And I was laid up with uh, my tripod. And <laughs> I w- he like he was like kissing on me and shit. And I'm, I'm not really into that. Like, come on. Like, let's get to it. Let's get on about our business. But it felt different. And, I, and that's when I was like, you've been robbing yourself. It's okay to be touched, to be hugged, to be caressed. But that could just be my trauma. Because as a kid, though my family will disagree, I didn't get enough hugs. <laughs> we weren't a very um, affectionate or loving family. So I think that kind of attributes to how I am the way I am as well. So, bitch, kudos to you, okay? Feel me for understanding that that is something that you desire and require because I'm just now wa- walking into that understanding. Yeah, I like hugs and kisses and shit, but it only, for me, it only works in 
a focused relationship setting. Like, I can't do that while I'm dating. I don't like it. I feel like people are too close. You know? I agree. If, if I know we just fucking around and this is not moving to another space, I don't want that type, I don't want that level of intimacy with you because it's off-putting. Not only is it weird, but it's also confusing. Because if I start developing feelings based on the intimacy that you've given me, Mm-hmm. And you're not even there. You're just doing it because you think that's what it was supposed to happen because we are engaging sexual with each mm-hmm. other with each other. Maybe no. Uh-uh. Oh, so I'm keep doing it, it right. Keep it, keep it playing. I'm not saying that you weren't doing it right. I'm just saying like in the um, in the dating space, if this is not going anywhere, the romance requirement really is for the dating space. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't require a romance from a man. I'm just fucking seeing around after after the sun go down. Because if, if that's the only time I see you, you are only here for one purpose. You know what I'm saying? Now, for somebody who I'm putting my energy into, who I'm dedicating and 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 prioritizing, right? That energy to, yes, I have a romance requirement for you, baby. You can't just be out here behaving like you you a late night creep. And you really trying to be my guy? No. Yeah. I can't do that. That's sus. That's super sus. All right. All right. All right. All right. Romance requirement number two. 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 It's on you. Oh, it's on me. Uh huh. That's terrible. <laughs> um, romance requirement. I have none. Like, I really, I'm really like low in on the relationship. Romance. Oh, in a relationship. Okay, in a relationship. relationship, um, One of of my requirements, and this sounds so trash, but I do not like to hear the word no. Mm. And here's why, right? I work in a relationship on pure reciprocity. I'll give you what you give me, and I'll probably pour more into you than you will into me. But that's my natural way of doing things. I am a natural nurturer. And that's just what it is. But if I, I never ask for anything, but if I ask for something within reason and you tell me no, I feel as though you've broken my trust because I would never tell you no, because there, because you would never ask me for something so irrational. <laughs> like, it's just like, like, bruh, if I sit here, like, let's say, you know, and I tell my man, Hey babe, I seen these shoes I really want. You know what I'm saying? They're like $250. And I have these shoes. Now, you could tell me no for a number of reasons. Hey, not this week. You know, give me a, yeah, we can look at it. Whatever. I can accept those answers. I don't do maybe, but I can accept understanding. Right? Before you to just flat out tell me no, when I know that in any given month, I've more than likely spent more than $250 on you, that's a problem. That's a problem. So romance requirement for me for sure is reciprocity. I want us to be able to date each other. You know what I'm saying? I need to know that you're going to put as much effort into doing, you know, doing things for me and and making me feel appreciated as I will you. Okay. So do you only want that shown in the way that you show it? That's the thing right there. So my my love language, naturally, <laughs> I like my love language. <laughs> like 
my uh, foremost love language is gift giving. That's how I show my love and affection. I understand that other people love differently. So they their love language and how they love others may be physical touch or quality time, right? But those things do nothing for me. I'm going to get those anyway. It's I just, For some reason, this shit just don't connect in my brain. So for me to be loved the way I want to be loved, acts of service. I like to be loved with a person who has a foremost of acts of service as a form of showing love or a gift giver as well. But that just might be me. Yes. So, yes. so question, because I know you said you're going to get the quality time and, and physical touch anyway. What happens if you engage with a person who's never around? Maybe y'all live in the same city, but maybe he has a uh, an occupation that requires him to travel often, you know? And so all he can do is send a gift through an act of service. And that's it. Does that meet your romance requirement or do or does the, the physical touch um, quality time piece then supplement for the gift giving or acts of service? So when you ask in that manner, that still doesn't bother me. I truly believe that absence makes the heart grow fonder. So that means that the time that we do spend together is even more meaningful. Like I said, I'm going to get it regardless. You know, if I'm like really deep into something with some person and their job requires them to go elsewhere or whatever, whatever it may be, they may have to travel consistently or what have you, whatever. Um, it almost makes me love them a little more. Because you're putting, because the fact of the matter is you don't have to deal with me being in the distance I am. You don't have to deal with the absence of me. But you choose to. I always prefer to be chosen. You feel me? Not needed, but chosen. So it's that. Like that part don't bother me. I still would prefer the gift giving and acts of service. <laughs> that's how I like to be loved. And that's just what it is. Because I like physical touch. Like the only touch I really need, you know what I'm saying? Like I just, I'm not a, an affectionate woman. Okay. So that part don't bother me. So I'm I'm not sure if I articulated this well. Okay. I'm saying like if you have somebody, I'm not saying they come home on the weekends and they may be gone throughout the week. So you see them at least I don't know what what is that eight days out of the month. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that. I'm saying what happens when your partner, husband, whatever is gone. I don't know, 11 months out the year, you might see them once a month, you know? Mm -hmm. um, does that suffice for your needs? If you only get, if you only get dig down once a month, well, he send you gifts. He's saying, you know, he do acts of service, get your nails done or whatever. <laughs> Boom, whatever you need is there, but you only getting, you only getting held, you only getting dick once a month. But he do he do the other stuff that you want. Does that work for you? You love playing devil's advocate. I do I because I wanna I, I want you to really think about it. <laughs> like twenty four hours. <laughs> right, you got twenty four whole hours. That's about it. He but come I'm in like, at twelve a.m. and leave twelve a.m. the next day. But I'm like. 
completely taken care of. Completely taken care of. And like communication is just spot on. Yeah. Talk to you every day, but he ain't never there. And you only get digged down once a month. Why do you keep saying that? <laughs> because I so know <laughs> that sex matters. You only get digged down once a month. Because the the agreement between y'all is that y'all will have a monogamous relationship as long as you provide it for it and he come home that one day a month. Exactly. Wait, wait, wait. You in a committed relationship, a committed relationship with a man who provides for all of your needs and wants, but he only come home once a month. My next question Right. Are women off the table? Yes. You are committed. You are in a committed relationship. If you want to bring somebody in the bedroom, it's happening that one time per month. Bro, like that's what it is. (laughs) You having threesomes for the rest of your life or um you know what? You know what you're saying is that, that will work if if, if you it, it because would. you don't care. It would work actually, and that's that's that was about to be my answer. It definitely would work, and here is why. I told you I enjoy my solace more than I enjoy anything else. Like that's perfectly fine. That I only now the sex part is kind of like ugh, you know. But at the end of the day, like I'll take that sacrifice knowing that I have a person that actually loves me, knowing that this particular situation may not be um, permanent. You know what I'm saying? Like, this just might be for the first four years, whatever. But we'll get there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can grow into that. That's perfectly fine. Okay. So, for the naysayers that might be out there, is it (laughs) sacrifice or security? Ooh. I think it's security, but also sacrifice. Because I feel like if you love a person like you say you do, you'll be able to, to make anything work between you. Like, honestly. And that's another issue I have with the way people love. Like people don't understand what unconditional love is. So this, the long distances don't work and the, and the, this don't work. It's like, nah, if you love this person for who they are inside and out, it doesn't fucking matter. Anything is over is anything can be overcame. Fuck it. You know what I'm saying? And this is me. I've dated niggas in other countries. Like anything can be overcome. Child. I understand. Listen, I'm doing. No, I ain't going to say even that because it ain't one day a month. So that ain't it's even not. realistic for me. So, like, I, I'm not sure I have the, the brawn for that. <laughs> Just being very. All of my needs are met. I only see you physically once a month. If I want kids, I got to pray I'm ovulating the day you come home. You know what I mean? Like, do how much sacrifice for a person that you claim to love is too much sacrifice? Especially when they seemingly get everything else that they want in a relationship. They're getting the things that they want. But you're sacrificing. Where's the sacrifice on their end? I think if you're going to play it that way, right? The sacrifice on their end is just as great as it is on yours because they they still are they getting that same one time a month. 
they're off working. It's not like they're out here living life. Because if a if a person is your partner and they have to be off for that amount of time, it's not because they want to be. It can't be. Not your partner. Not the person that you call your, you know, your lover, whatever. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, there is a reason for it. So that means that they're spending their the majority of their time trying to support or, you know what I'm saying, trying to give you some semblance of normalcy within the relationship, knowing that the, that the situation is not normal and not wanted. So at the end of the day, they still have something on their end. It's like they're not necessarily providing completely as they could, but they're doing the best they could, they can. And that causes insecurities within your partner, naturally. When your partner can't give you what they want to give you, they're naturally insecure about it. Now, I will say this. I don't know what this, what a job like this would look like where you could only see your partner one time a month, right? I'm just being, I was being facetious just to see like if you get down to dire straits, would those, would, would those opinions still be the same? Because if it doesn't work in dire straits, that shit is not going to work long term. And something that's a little more reasonable. Um, All right. And romance requirement number one. One, one, one. I think the number one thing for a romance for, for romance in a relationship. Yeah. Is consistency and continuity. Um, AKA make it make sense. <laughs> not even, not even just make it make sense, but, um, the switch up shouldn't be so drastic. Like, and that's why a part of my romance requirement is, is being able to wait and, and be clear on, on folks because you always get introduced to a representative when you first meet a person. They on their best behavior. But what do you look like in your comfortability? And I need this to be consistent with what you showed me in the beginning. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. your whole value structure can't change. Like, that's why. <laughs> like, it's, just, it's weird. But also, there needs to be, um, along with that continuity, there needs to be consistency. Baby, keep it up. Again, come with that same energy. You know? Because I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep coming with that energy. I agree. I hate an inconsistent ass motherfucker, and that's why I had to cut the team. I had to cut the nigga off the team. <laughs> Hilarious. I'm I'm joking, guys. I don't have a team. Honestly, I, I really be keeping it cool. I be trying to, you know, one man it on earth. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, I love that for you, and I. You know, hope that you're getting all of those things and more. All right. All right. All right. Now, look, we got this segment called Finish That Lyric. (laughs) Now, Mm -hmm. this is the thing, right? I feel as though we have not set up proper rules. Hold on. I feel like we have Um, not set up proper rules for this. I'm not. What's the show? No smoke. You hear me? The genre. We said eight lines. No, the fuck we did not. Yes, we did because we we lead in with four and you finish the four. Okay. That's what the eight lines is. All right. 
I'm confused. It's a proper lead in. Okay, eh? cool. So the the genre is what what genre are we R&B, doing? Today? Obviously. Oh, 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 oh. Can we just pick an artist? Do you know Eminem songs? Uh, <laughs> probably not. Anyway, know. so Maybe. the genre is R and B. I have my song ready. I think I just had it in my head. Damn. Wait. All right, no worries. I got my song. I I know what it is. It's R and B. Is the genre? Now we started this because to to correct me when I'm singing songs. I don't know why she think I'm always wrong, but I'm not. And we gonna see how good she at it. She is at this shit because she don't be knowing the words either. She literally told me some words was the right rose to a song that was the wrong ones, and I was singing the right ones. I don't think you are gonna need four four lines for this, but it is what it is. Um. Okay, we want to move it to two lines then. Yeah, we can move. Madam, we can we can, we can move, move it to two. two. Okay, and I want you to hit the next three or four. Mm. <laughs> you want me to do next three or four? Yeah. Okay. We'll see. <laughs> I ain't, ain't no shame in my game. If I don't know it, I don't know it. That's the... Okay. You know this song. Everybody knows this song. I hope so. You said it's Eminem. No, right? I didn't. No, you said we, we do R&B. Eminem, okay. boy, I kill you. I'll sauce your ass in Eminem. <laughs> Well, go ahead, cause all I know is like eight mile songs. That's crazy. I might know a little bit of Stan. I don't know. I don't even know that song. That song was aggressive. I couldn't learn that song. Stan was pretty decent, but it was depressing. It was very depressing. But we're getting off topic anyway. Yeah, we are. Come on. <laughs> the song. <laughs> okay, you ready? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Friday night, you and your boys went out to eat. Um, okay then they hung out but you came home around me if six of y'all went out then four you are really cheap um because the only two you had dinner i found your credit card receipt that's not right but it's okay i'm gonna make it anyway the fact is, I don't, I don't know if I should take off points. <laughs> I don't know if I should take off points because you missed some, some, some yes, you missed all of that. Are you funny as hell? Uh, the adlibs? <laughs> I missed the adlibs. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I'm trying to remember the words. <laughs> you talking about adlibs? What are the words? <laughs> what are the words? Oh, <laughs> shit. Whatever. Man. Did I get There's it right? Until you had dinner, I found your credit card receipt. It's not right. Hey, didn't I, didn't I say that though? Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. I got yours. You ready? What's the artist? Because you ain't shit. <laughs> you ain't telling me the fucking artist. All right, fine. Fuck it. Yeah. Okay. You know this though. You know this. I, I think okay. you should know this. It's been an hour since you've been gone, and that's too long, so come back home. I can't live without you. I'm always... (laughs) Hold on. It's been an hour since you've been gone. 
Hey, and that's too long, so come back home. I can't live without you. So I cry for you. You know you're everything I need. No, 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 no. What was on? Uh, so after school, I'll cry. Wait, I can't live without you. So I cry for you. That's what I said. Do anything oh. that I can oh. to, to feel get that touch from your hand. Sorry that I hurt you. Not the words. Oh, okay, cool. Sorry that I want you. Lady, what do I, I do? You know you everything. What? What? That's that's what it is. You're everything I do. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Do what you want me to. I'm reading. That's crazy that um, yeah. you sung that specific song. Cause like um you could have chose any Jodeci song. I'm gonna do you like you did me. You could have chose any Jodeci song. <laughs> but you knew the song. I didn't even know the words to them other songs you was talking about. I was like, what the fuck is this even? You uh, who was that? Tony Braxton you chose? Uh but bitch, don't start with that Tony Braxton song. I can't believe that you girl, didn't know I don't that know song. what the fuck that song is. And I told somebody I else about that. It's like, how did she not know that song? I know. I know. I My mama ain't play that song in the crib. All that the was, love but, or whatever the hell you called it. What was it called? Um you should have brought should've, love, love home or something. Love should have brought you home. That that was yeah, her no, very first album, actually. It was her very, very first album. And she had Girl. hella bangers off of that. Because that was that seven whole days. Now, it's you could have you played that. Because I, listen, I would have got that one. I didn't know the other one. And, and I'm just about through. What you say? Can't take you, won't take you, can't take you no more. Uh, I thought I thought we was gonna go for it, honey, honey. And if you wouldn't do anything about me, but no, okay, I'm done. <laughs> nah, I would have got that. I love, I love me some Tony. So you could have played like any other Tony. I don't know that damn song. Can you sing that song? Because I don't even know what it is. What song? That love, love should have brought, brought you home. Oh shit! Hold on, let me think about it. Should, oh, should I even listen? Should I even try? We'll just be hearing the same old line, baby. I see it doesn't matter what you say this time. Because uh, the whole relationship is built on a lie. You say things are the way they seem, but Still, you can't come clean. Oh, I do me. know this song. Yes, you do. Cause I love should I wrote you to me last month. Ah, okay, I remember this song. Yeah, okay, I do know that song. My bad, Tony. I did know that song. I did know that song. But I ain't know the. I don't know the. Uh, the, the what's the name now? If you would have laid in with the chorus, baby. Oh, that would have been too easy. <laughs> I would have maybe been able to. I, I didn't know the fucking the lyric lyrics. Mm-mm. Cause when you start when you start singing it, I'm like, oh, what the fuck? Who is this even? 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The song is actually a nice song. <laughs> well, that was a fun little game. So, you know what, guys? I think it's our time to say goodbye. What is this accent, ma'am? I don't know. Some, it just, it, it flows for me. Oh. Okay. <laughs> but it is our time. <laughs> the two-piece out this jam. Two-piece, toodaloo. Too smooches. Not too smooches. All okay. right. Too it's been fun, y'all. Y'all come back and y'all come see us. Um, tune in for episode two next week. We're live. We're live. Hold it down, POP. I'm legally blind. <laughs> no, ma'am. No. <laughs> You're okay. funny as hell. Now we can keep it. Mm. If you we want to, little Louisiana baby. Um, not too much. I mean, you the one gave him the much, man. <laughs> All right, we going for real, y'all. We going for real. We going for real. Peace out. It's been fun.